Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Saturday the 22nd of February 2014, entitled Never Too Tall You Can't Fall. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 49. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. Could we, uh, could we bow our heads and close our eyes just for a moment? Every head bowed and every eye closed. And I want you to sing with me. Hallelujah. 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 Father, tonight we come before you desperate, desperately seeking a touch from you. God, I pray, would you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my strength and my redeemer. God, I'm nothing, and I know I can't, but thank God I know you can. And God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts tonight and help us to leave encouraged, knowing that the victory's already been won because Jesus cried, it is done from Calvary. Lord, help us to know how much you love us tonight. Put your arms around us and help us to put the cares of this life aside from us. Help us to focus on your goodness and help us to focus focus on the victory and help us to have preventative maintenance in areas of our life uh, when we surrender them to you. And Lord, we'll love you and praise you for what you do in our lives because we ask it in the name that is above every name. And that name is Jesus. And all God's people said, 1 Samuel chapter number 17, 1 Samuel 17 I hope you're awake tonight. If you are, say amen. Amen. If you ain't, don't say anything. (laughs) Amen. I do appreciate you young people. I thank God for for this weekend. Uh, Let me say publicly how much I I do thank God for your faithfulness, your your fortitude, your your fervor. Uh, I'm telling you, man, I leave this thing every time. Brother David, every time I leave encouraged. Because you know what? I'm so thankful. You know, I was talking to some of my dear friends from North Wales and talking about how hard it is sometimes to be even from a small village and being a Christian. Um, I'm going to tell you, you know what? It, it, it excites me. And I want to encourage you to think about this. You know, there were 120 disciples that were in that upper room waiting for the promise that Jesus said he would come and he would send a comforter unto them. And you know what? That 120 in that upper room probably thought as they sat there and waited, Brother Steve, for the Holy Spirit of God to descend upon them. I guarantee you they thought there's no way we can make a difference in this large place we call the world. But do you know that that 120 went out and turned the world upside down for Christ's sake? You are not alone, and I don't care how small a a congregation you got. Thank God with Him we are a majority. Amen? Amen. And so I want to encourage you tonight to not give up. All right? 
There's a lot of times that we read a passage of Scripture and you think the preacher's going to preach on a certain topic, but I'm going to flip this thing around tonight, and I'm not going to talk about David tonight. I want to talk about a man by the name of Goliath. I want you to look at 1 Samuel chapter number 17. I want your eyes to fall to, fall to verse number 49. I'm going to read that as my, my, my springboard, and then I'm going to preach to you about you're never too tall that you cannot fall. There's some people in this room tonight that if you're not careful, one of these days you're going to be raised to a place of prominence in the ministry. And let me say this, young man, young lady, if God uses you in the ministry, a trusted man is a tempted man. A man who has responsibility, a young lady who has responsibility put on their life will be attacked by the enemy. We have an adversary. Like a roaring lion, he walks about, right, seeking whom he may devour. And young people, if you don't get anything before you leave this weekend, you better be prepared for the attack of the enemy when you leave here because I promise you, he don't like what's taking place in here this weekend. He don't like it. And young people, I'm telling you right now, you beware of anybody that says they've arrived or they're at a place to where God is. I remember distinctly sitting with a friend of mine from Bible college, and I remember the last statement Timmy made to me before we graduated and walked across the stage to get our diploma. He looked at me and he said, The world will hear from me. Oh, the world heard from him, all right. For about two years, he had a successful ministry, baptized over 1,100 into his congregation. But you know what I found out? About a two-year span after that, come to find out he embezzled almost $85,000 from his church, had put it into a separate account, and left his wife and children with the 22-year-old secretary of his church. And you know what? The world did hear from him because you know what? He's out of the ministry. He's out of the will of God. He has lost one of his legs because of an automobile accident. And he's probably sitting around going, I wonder why all this is happening to me. Let, listen to me. The Bible says if a man says, stand, take heed lest he fall. And some of you in here, if you're not careful, you're going to get this big-headed, uh, notorious syndrome, and you need to realize that God, Micah 6, 8 says, He has shown the old man what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee but to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God? If you ain't awake, I'm going to wake you up in a minute now. Now, I'm going to get you in a minute. I was reminded, I don't know if some of y'all remember this, but... I guess it was that Saturday night service uh, about uh, eight years ago uh, that we sat in this building, and I can remember looking over about 20 minutes into the service right where uh, you're sitting, Micah, and, and I watched. There's my Reese. Hey. And you're sitting about right there. My son was, and he was fast asleep in my service, <laughs> in Miss Daddy's service. And I looked over and I said, we're all going to get him on three. I'm going to, I want everybody to say Seth. You know, one, two, three. Seth! Boy, he woke up and he looked like a deer in headlights. <laughs> so if you're going to fall asleep on me, get ready because I might, I might surprise you real, real fast, all right? Now I'm going to preach real quick from here on out because I know it's been a long day. Amen? <laughs> Hold on a minute. Amen! It's been a long day, preacher. It's been a long day. But listen, you're never too tall that you cannot fall. We've got to be humble servants of God. 
God requires humility. Let me tell you something, folks. The, listen, the God of heaven, He not only requires it, but listen, He rewards it. God requires us to be faithful, but He rewards us for being faithful. Finally, brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know your labor's not in vain in the Lord. You will be rewarded, somebody said one time. Well, you know, preacher, I just don't understand. Uh, I'm really confused. Uh, you know, a person, let's say, for instance, a person commits suicide. And you know what? Uh, are they really saved? You know what? There is nothing that can separate a person from Jesus Christ except rejection of the gift of eternal life. If somebody commits suicide, don't mean they send their soul to hell. All it means is they're going to lose reward when they get to heaven. Amen? Y'all understand that everybody must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I don't think we really understand the brevity of life and the fragility of life and then the, so, listen, the severity and the sobriety of the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of you will stand before the thrice holy God of Israel and give an account of what they've done in their body, whether it be good or evil. You say evil? I didn't think we was going to stand before Jesus Christ and give an account of our sin. You won't. That word evil means worthlessness. Is what you're doing for Christ gold, silver, and precious stone, or is it wood, hay, and stubble? Because, see, if it's wood, hay, and stubble, it's going to be put to the test by fire, and if it's wood, hay, it's going to burn up, Romani, but if it's gold and silver and precious stone, it will be refined and purified. I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus? You're never too tall that you cannot fall, young people. I want to talk about a man by the name of Goliath. I want you to look at our text. It says, And David put his hand into his bag, took thence a stone, slang it, and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. You know, I've often wondered, how did a man of Goliath's stature and his notoriety fall that easily? Well, I'm going to go back, and I want you to read the first part of chapter number 17. Look at verse number 1. I'm going to give you a few things, and then we'll say amen and do something else. Amen. Look at verse number 1. Now, the Philistines gathered together their armies into battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Ezekiah in Ephes Damim. And Saul and the, army, the men of Israel gathered uh, together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, and there was a valley in between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, who whose height was six cubits in a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And, 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 and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of iron, about 155 pounds. <laughs> That's just his coat of armor. It's a big dude. Look at verse number six. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of the spear was like a weaver's beam and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron, about 50 pounds. And one bearing a shield went before him. Now look up at me. I've often wondered, here's a man. Now listen, 
You often wonder why a man like this falls. Well, well, first of all, let's look at the character of a man by the name of Goliath. Number one, he was a giant in stature. He was about 10 and a half to 11 foot tall. So this was a man who was giant. But I'm here to tell you right now that I have sit and eat lunch with men across the table from me who were spiritual giants years ago, but today are out of the ministry because they thought they were invincible. Brother Steve, I can't tell you how many times I've sat across the table from somebody, and I'm sure Pastor Larry's had the same uh, experience, where you've got a man that you looked up to, and now here, and I've even preached for them, sat, preached for these men, ministered with them, and they're out of the ministry today, giants, if you will, in the Christian realm. But now they're out of the ministry because they thought they were 10 foot tall, 10, 10 foot tall, 10 foot tall, <laughs> <laughs> Thought they were 10 foot tall and bulletproof. But you're never too tall that you cannot fall. He was a giant in stature. Not only that, but you know what? He, had, he was, a, he was a, a great champion. This man had a great testimony. He had never lost a battle. Do you understand that? Here's a man who's 10 and a half, Gareth, foot tall and has never lost a battle. You think he was afraid of a 14-year-old boy? I'm going to show you in just a minute why Goliath fell. He shouldn't have fallen. You know, this battle that we're getting ready to witness was almost tentacle-like. And if I can put this into terms to where we can understand it, it would be like, it would be like Barcelona Football Club taking on the football club from your village. <laughs> Amen? I mean, think about this. I wasn't going to use Aston Villa because I didn't want to get in trouble. They ain't had, they ain't had a lot of success. I know, I'm, I'm, I'm treading lightly, okay? I'm trying to be politically correct here, okay? But anyway, it would be like in our country if the Dallas Cowboys took on a high school football team and the high school football team had an odd of, of, of 60 to 1 to win. This is, where it was, this is where we were at. You've got Goliath here against the armies of Israel who are looking from the mountaintop down in the valley, and, and guess what? They're quaking in their boots. They're shaking because of the giant in the valley. And nobody has said anything. The men who have been trained in mortal combat, the men who have been trained in hand-to-hand -to, -hand to the death combat are now looking at one man and saying, I ain't going down there. You know, you, you adults that are here tonight, you weren't here in today's sessions. We talked a lot about facing your giants. I hope and pray that you don't leave here and cower under the pressure. And most of it's peer pressure, isn't it? We're afraid. We're, a, we're scared to death. You know what we are so... You know what was happening in Christianity? We are so image conscious now that we have forgot that we ought to be testimony conscious. We ought not be image con We're worried about our image. It ought not matter what anybody sees in us. It ought to matter supremely what they see about him through us. See, I believe the armies of Israel, I believe the armies of Israel had, had an image problem. They were afraid that their image would be corrupted because if they went down there and they lost that battle, man, you know what? This is the, God of, this is the armies of, of God here. God's on their side. 
And you know what? Here's the problem. Not only was he a giant in stature and he, was a, he had a great testimony, but he was girded about with a lot of armor. I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of people have said, you know what, preacher? I don't want to surrender the will of God. I really don't because if I do, man, he might like send me to Afghanistan to be a missionary. He might like send me to somewhere like Tajikistan to be a missionary. He might send me to uh, Saudi Arabia or the, you know, the, the, the Arab countries, and it scares me to death. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're in the center of the will of God, you are safer there than you would be anywhere. Amen. Anywhere. See, young people, I'm going to tell you right now, you're never too tall that you cannot fall. Here's a ten and a half foot giant out there, and you know what he's saying? I want you to look at what he says. Look at verse number. Look at verse number eight. And he stood and cried in the armies of Israel, and he said unto them, Why are you come out? Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine? Are you the servants of Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. And if he be able to fight me and to kill me, then will I be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall you be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day and give me a man that we may fight together. By the way, if I can add, he probably said to the death. Let us fight together to the death. And when Saul and all the armies heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I can't even begin to tell you in Hebrew language the emphasis on those words. They were absolutely up in arms and almost ready to retreat and run and tuck tail and hide. What are you, what are you going to do when you're facing a giant? Do you not have any courage? Hey, listen, Joshua looked at the armies of Israel and he said, Listen, has not God commanded us to be strong and of a good courage and be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. My God goes with me wherever I go. He's going to take care of us. Amen? He's going to take care of us. But you know what? This, this, this giant had all the odds of winning the battle. The odds were stacked in his favor. Alex, he had a great testimony. He'd never lost a battle. Undefeated. You know what I love? The fact that our enemy probably thinks that the, you know, he, he knows he's only got a short time left. And he's, he, listen, he knows. He knows his ultimate end, but he just thinks that he could get, I'm here to tell you that we have a champion. We have a champion who is undefeated. Uh, listen, undefeated. It might not, listen, he might have looked like he got defeated at Calvary, but I'm telling you right now, three days later, we saw the victory, didn't we? He got up out of the grave, and he has risen from the dead, and he sits at the right hand of God, and he's alive today. I have a champion. His name is Jesus Christ. But Goliath had every opportunity to win this battle. But you know what? I'm not going to focus on David as much as I'm going to focus on Goliath. I want to tell you why I believe Goliath lost the battle. Would you all like to know why? I sure would. That's when I was studying this passage of Scripture, Steve. I said, man, why would a man that's like this who has every, every advantage in the battle to win, how did he lose? Well, guess what? Nobody would fight. Nobody would fight. I want you to look over to the next page. Look at chapter number four, uh, 17. Look at verse number 26. We'll pick up our reading there. Of course, I can't read all of this because it'd take too much time and we're limited on that. So I just want to kind of paraphrase it and let you know what happened. David heard that his three elder brothers had gone off to battle. Then listen, word got back to them. You know what? It don't take long for news to travel, does it? <laughs> 
They didn't have iPhones. They didn't have Facebook. You know, they didn't have none of that stuff. But boy, news travels. It got back home that, listen, the armies of Israel won't even go down and fight one uncircumcised Philistine. What in the world's going on? And you know what? David said, i tell you what, let me do, Jesse, Daddy. He said, let me take lunch to them. Let me take some supplies to my brothers. So you know what he does? Hey, listen, uh, Larry, you on a subway. Here, you know what David was? He was the first subway salesman right here. He took lettuce and bread and stuff. He went to his brothers. And he had, hey, eat fresh, baby. And he said, I'm going I'm, I'm to make y'all some sandwiches and we're going to have us a time, amen? And he got down there and he said, I thought y'all were supposed to be fighting. I thought you needed some refueling. He said, nobody's done anything. Y'all still standing up here on the mountain. Look at verse 26. And David spake to the men. Did you hear what he just said? David spake to the men. Boy, that's using that term lightly. Right here. Men, you're still standing up here and letting this uncircumcised Philistine defy the armies of the living God? Look at what happens. He stood by, and stood by him, and David said, What shall be done to this man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? They probably looked at him and said, Who's going to kill him? You, are you stupid, David? You think somebody's going to go down there and fight him? He's never lost. He's ten and a half foot tall. His spearhead weighs more than you do. And look at what David said. For who is this uncircumcised? You talk about some spiritual fortitude. You talk about a young man that had some grit in his crawl. You talk about a young man that had some, listen, had, some, had something about him. Let me tell you something. Look at what he says. Who for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner and said, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. Well, I guess it was because it made him look like a wimp. Remember what I said about image? We've been worried about image and we are doing something that's got some character to it. Look at what happened. Eliab was angry against David and he said, Why comest down here? Why comest thou down hither? And with, with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Why was he concerned about David's sheep? You got a man sitting here to find the armies of God and you're worried about David's sheep. Isn't that amazing how we get, we get so caught up in everybody else's problems instead of dealing with our own well, let me tell you something. I tell you, I'm really concerned about sister so-and-so. She's got some real issues in her life, and we just, need, we just need to pray for her. Well, number one, stop talking about her and start praying. And number two, you know what you need to do? Instead of start finger-pointing, you need to do some thumb-pointing. You need to start looking at yourself. You know what the Bible says? If we would judge ourselves, Panis, we didn't have no need to be judged. The problem is, is we don't do any self-judgment. We want to look down our spiritual spectacles at everybody else and say, huh, uh, something not right in your life. You need to get right with God. Boy, we sound a lot like Job's friends, don't we? Friends like that, you don't need any enemies. You're welcome. Kind of scratch it where you itch, ain't I? Scratch on. I heard somebody say it. Listen. <laughs> Amen. I'll never forget that. First time I heard that, I went, did he really say that? 
He's thinking about David's sheep. Look at what he says. He said, who have you left those few sheep in the wilderness with? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. You know what he's saying? You're my younger brother. Shame on you. Get back home. Go on home. He said, I know the pride and the naughtiness of thy heart, for thou art come down that, that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, see it. He said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Can I ask y'all a question? Is there a cause? Oh, yeah. There's a cause when people walk by Steve when he's preaching today and go, <laughs> I had a few of them, Steve. I know, you was, I know you was focused, brother, but we've got a cause when people are abject heathens and can't stand anything about God. The Bible says, you know what? We ought not be surprised. The Scripture says in the beginning, because they, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Do you know what? These morons that think they came out of a cesspool a million years ago from a little lichen beetle and believe they were evolved, I'm going to tell you something. There's a holiday for those people. It's called April 1st, Fool's Day. There's something wrong with somebody that doesn't believe that they can look at this and not know it doesn't have a creator, an originator, a grand designer. Praise God. And young people, as much as he loves his creation, he wants to have fellowship with us. Not a star, not a, not a planet, not a blade of grass, Dave, not a tree. He wants to have relationship and fellowship, Jay, with you and I. What a God we serve. And I know we're all tired, and, but man, I'm telling you right now, it just makes me want to just, just jump and shout. Tear something up. Amen. Just spilled water all over my shoe. <laughs> Look at verse number 30. And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. He's going, is there not a cause? Is there not a, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And they're all kind of going... You ever, you, ever been, you ever been in class and you didn't study and a teacher said, I think I want an answer for this question. You're like, oh, man. You start, here's what you do. You kind of drop some. Lord Jesus, please don't let the teacher call on me. You know? That's what they were all doing. They were all, oh, oh don't call on me. I don't want to fight. I'd rather go to the house. Uh, let's just go on home. And he's looking at all of them and speaking after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. They said the same thing that Eliab was saying. You need to go on home, David. We'll take care of this. You know what I bet David wanted to say? He didn't say it here, but I bet he wanted to say, why ain't you done it already? Get busy. You know, guys, let me tell you something. I know some of y'all going to school, going to uni, and you know what? I know right now that uh, you're a professional student or maybe something like that and you got a little side job, but I'm going to tell you something. When you get out in the ministry, you better be ready. You better know how to work. You better know how to do some manual labor. And if you don't listen, if you don't know how to do it, go find a cinder block wall somewhere and rub your hands up against it and get some calluses to make you look like you at least work, okay? 
Because I'm going to tell you something, the ministry is not some feather bed, easy street, and just going to have your way, and just everything's going to be hunky-dory. By the way, every single one of you in here that claim the name of Christ, and listen, this is not an easy way. When Jesus Christ went to the Garden of Gethsemane, He sweat as it were great drops of blood. That was not easy. But it was the will of Almighty God. And it ain't going to be easy. I don't care if you get down to 15 people where two or three are gathered together in His name. There He is in the midst of them. Thank God He'll be with us. Don't you get discouraged. David was the only one that was willing to stand up and do something. I want you to look down at verse number 34. David said unto Saul, Now David's gone from the army to the leader. <laughs> He's got some guts, don't he, Panos? You just got out of the army. It's be like you going to the company commander and saying, Hey, bud, I want you to listen to you. <laughs> yeah, man, huh? Come over here, pal. See what happens. You be doing push-ups till he gets tired. <laughs> I knew some of y'all would at least get that. Said, and David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him, and smote him, and delivered him out of his mouth. And when, it, when he arose, arose again uh, against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. By the way, can I ask any of you in here, men or women, has anybody uh, killed a lion or a bear with their bare hands in the last two weeks? Didn't think so. Last two, last year? Okay, good. I'm glad you're on my team then, bro, brother. <laughs> he said, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised, I love this, this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. He's going to be just like that lion and bear I killed. That's confidence. You want to know why he was confident like that? Because he had spent, oh, look at me, he had spent much time with Jesus Christ. You say, well, the, you, he didn't know Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. He knew the promise. He knew there would be one come. He had been given that. I believe God had already illuminated that to him because he could not write the songs he wrote without knowing God and what was getting ready to happen. And there would have to be a sacrifice that would come to, listen, give forgiveness to God's people. He knew who the coming Messiah, Yeshua, Yamashiach, would be. But I'm here to tell you this. David had confidence because he had spent time with his heavenly Father. I'll say this and I'll say this and I'll say this. Some of you in here spend about two minutes a week in devotion and, want, and, want, and you want to be a spiritual warrior for Christ when you've only spent two and a half to three minutes a week with Him. I'm telling you right now, you wouldn't do that with your girlfriend. She'd drop you like a hot potato. Yeah. You wouldn't do that with your husband or wife, sir, ma'am. You'd have a terrible relationship. Amen, guys? Amen? Thank you. Appreciate you. <laughs> hey, you got to spend some time with the one you say you love. You say you love him. I told the men we were walking up through there this morning to go to the city center. And you know, we were having this debate. And I said this, brother. I said, you know what? Jesus didn't say, if you want to go to heaven, keep my commandments. No, all you got to do to go to heaven is trust him. But he did say, if you love me, keep my commandments. See, 
I want all of y'all to look at me. If you're going to defeat the giants in your life, if you're going to face your giants and defeat them, you need to not just make Jesus your Savior, you must make Him your Lord. See, I believe that's where a lot of people are in their Christian life. Oh, they've been saved by the grace of God. They put their faith in Christ, but it's kind of stopped there. He's got to be the Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. Listen to this. I want you to look at this, and I'm going to be done here in just a second. And if you believe that, I've got some oceanfront property to sell you in Arizona. Amen. <laughs> David said, moreover, the Lord had de that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. i tell you what, I, I, I don't understand how a leader can... Say that. I think I'd at least said, I'll go with you. But you know, I, I think that's why the Spirit of God had departed from Saul. He wasn't willing to go the extra mile. Can I ask you a question? Why do you think Goliath fell? He shouldn't have. You know that? But he did. I'm going to give you a few reasons why, and we're going to say amen, and we're going to go uh, to our next session, okay? Look, listen to me. Number one, the reason why Goliath fell was because, number one, he was uncircumcised. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? We said this this morning, the reason, listen, the word circumcision has to do with purification. The men of, listen, the men, the armies of Israel could not go into the promised land before they were circumcised. He, listen, Joshua said, all the men that are going into battle have not been. We've got to do that so we'll make sure we're pure before God. And you know what? Here's what has to happen. You have to be pure of heart if you're going to fight your enemy. Goliath fell because he was in the flesh. He wasn't pure. And here we are in the 21st century trying to fight a spiritual battle in the arm of the flesh. The reason why Goliath fell, young people, because he was uncircumcised. He was in the flesh. Number two. Number two, the reason why Goliath fell, and I'm going to tell you right now, here's where it's, here's where it's going to meet. Right here. The rubber in the road. Right here. The reason in most of your lives, this is why the enemy gets a foothold on you. Number one, because he was uncircumcised. You know what? Most of you have tried to be pure of heart. And by the way, you can only be as right with God as you know how to be. Amen? You can only be as right with God as you know how to be. That's why you're here at a conference like this. So you'll get strength from it, endurance, that you can go back in the fight, put something in your bosom, in your belly, to make you fight, Je listen, fight the devil and have Jesus fight your battles for you when you go into it next week. That's why you come to a conference like this. But the second reason hits closer to home. The reason why Goliath failed because he underestimated his enemy. I want you to look, at the, I want you to look down here at verse number 42. Let's look at verse 41. And the Philistine came and drew near unto David, and the man uh, that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked at about and saw David, he disdained him. He literally mocked him, for he was but a youth and ruddy of an affair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves, with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Now, I'm going to explain something to you. When he says that he cursed David, he did not use four-letter four expletives. 
You know what the word cursed there means? It means to make small. Some of you in here, you know what? You say, well, preacher, I don't use that foul language. You know what? You have talked and maligned and backbit and gossiped and rumored about people. And you know what? You've basically cursed them because you make them small in everybody else's sight. That's cursing. It's awful quiet. How do you talk to your, your parents? Preacher, I'm out of the home. I'm in university. I don't give a rip where you're at. You still got a mom and daddy. You better respect them. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother. By the way, that's the first commandment with promise. You know what the promise is? If you'll obey that, the, the privileges of it are you will live a long life on this earth. Some of you talk to people that you're in your class like a junkyard dog. Matter of fact, some of you got brothers and sisters. And you know what? You treat them like dirt. But I haven't cussed them, preacher. No, you have. When you make them small. You know what the Bible says? I want all of you to look at me. You know what the Bible, I'm going to talk to you for just a minute. You know what the Bible says? A man, listen, a man or a woman hears before they speak about a matter. Does that make sense to y'all? Let me tell you what old Brian had to do. I know y'all haven't sinned in 42 years. I, I have though. Okay. I'm just going to confess mine. I remember coming home one night. And Brother Nathan, I came home, and, and this is when we were homeschooling the children. And you know what? I did something that I had to go back and I had to make right. I asked my wife, I said, how did my son do on a certain test that day? And she told me he made a 44 out of 100, okay? I went to him, and I'm telling you, I dressed him up one side and down the other, Tim. I looked at him, I said, how dare you? You know you could do better than that. Did you even... And I didn't even ask him if he studied. I said, go to your room. Just go to your room. And don't come out until you act right. And he jumped out about 10 minutes later. To be or not to be? That is a No, he didn't do that. <laughs> Ain't that crazy how we do things? We tell our kids to do so. It's stupid stuff, you know? Go to your room and don't come out until you know how to act, you know? Have you ever had your mom or dad say, you want a spanking? Can you see a kid going, uh-huh, I want one. I mean, come on now. <laughs> what do we do? You know, we say the craziest thing as parents, you know. I don't know where I'm going with all that. Just bear with me, okay? I told my son to go to his room. I came back out and I looked at my wife. And you know, I, I, I thank God. <laughs> thank God for my wife. She looked at me and she went, <laughs> Abby knows. Dave knows what I'm talking about. Look at he, Dave. Yeah, he. She looked at me and she went. That's all she did. And I knew what I had to go do. I had to go back and look at my son and said, "Son, I was wrong. I was wrong." I said, "I got a question to ask you. Did you do the best you could?" And I'll never forget watching those tears come down my son's face and him saying, Daddy, I did the best I could do. Come to find out, it was just a few months later we found out my son has dysle he had dyslexia. I felt about that big. If I'd have had a pen knife, I'd have went, just stuck it right in my head and just killed my... That's how I felt. I felt that big. You know, just go ahead and finish it, Brian. Just, you know, just put the knife in because I felt about that big. You know what? A wise man hears before he answers about a matter.
Be very careful how you speak to your peers, to the people around you, and especially the family of God. Can I get a witness right there? Be very careful. David, listen, David was cursed by Goliath and made to look even smaller than he was in his sight. I want you to look at this. You know what? Goliath lost a battle because, number one, he was uncircumcised. Number two, because he underestimated his enemy. Can I tell you, each and every one of you in here, don't be ignorant of your enemy. The Bible says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. You know what the wiles means? It means the technological methods of the devil. Don't be ignorant and don't underestimate your enemy. He's very powerful. If he's not powerful, then why in the world would he look? Why would God look at the devil when he was considering Job, and he says, you know what, devil, have you not considered my servant Job? You think it, you know, you don't think nobody's walking with me? He said, have you not considered my servant Job? He's a man that's perfect, upright, fears God, and eschews evil. And the devil said, I bet you he'll fall. Just take your hands off of him. If you'll take your hands off of him and take your protection off of him, you know what, I guarantee you he'll fall. And you know what God said? I'll take my hand off of him. And he said, but you know what you can't do? He said, you can't kill him. You know what's scary about this generation? And I know, I know you, you're a great crowd, and y'all never fall into temptation, never had no strongholds, nothing like that. I know, you know, everybody's just going, everything's just going perfect, right? I'm going to tell you right now. You know what's scary about this generation is we think, we think that the devil's going to pick on somebody else. We think the devil's going to go and attack another family. And you know what? You, you're, not invent, you're never too tall that you cannot fall. Remember who you are and whose you are. And let's, listen, let's not underestimate our enemy. Let's not underestimate our enemy. Listen, Goliath fell because he was uncircumcised. He underestimated his enemy very quickly. Number three, look at down at our text. Look at verse number 49. David put his hand in his bag, took fence of stone, slang it, and smote the Philistine in his ware. Do y'all understand something? Goliath was a champion. He had every piece of armor you could have on, a coat of mail. Y'all know what, you know what mail is, right? You, you know, y'all from England, y'all know what mail is. I mean, it's just like a chain link fence that you wear on your body, amen? I mean, it's just, just I mean, it's he very heavy. He had on a helmet. He had a shield. He had his, his loins girded. He had on shin pads. He had on everything to protect him, but the only piece that was open in his whole frontal body was that piece right there. Do you know later on, because of this battle, the Roman Empire said, you know what, I think we ought to learn from the lesson that happened in David Goliath, and they began to put shields right here to cover the forehead. Because you know what, David said, you know what, I, there's one part, Frazier, that I can hit, and I've got one stone here, I'm going to take a, you've got to be pretty good to hit a man right there. And most of you guys know this. Most of you young ladies know this. When he went down and he gathered the stones, he got five of them and put them in his bag. You say, preacher, he must have been a bad shot. No, he wasn't a bad shot. He had four other stones for Goliath had four brothers. He said, bless God, if I, when I kill him, he said, if they want to come, they can get some too. Amen. I like it. I like it. You want to know why Goliath fell? Because he was in the flesh. He was uncircumcised. 
He underestimated his enemy, but Benjamin, you know what? He had an unguarded mind. He had an unguarded mind. Some of you in here don't realize the real battle zone in your life is right here between your ears. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Don't you get kind of tired when you go into church and all you hear when you go up and say, hey, brother, how you doing today? Well, man, I'll tell you what. Tire's flat on my car and this is wrong. The dog's got sick, thrown up all over the kitchen floor. I, it's all negative. I'm so sick of hearing negativity come from God's people. And you want to know why that is? It's because we got stinking thinking. Our, our thinking, our mind is warped when we ought to be thinking about the good things of God you know what? I had a lady come to me, and I'm telling you, she was suicidal. She had almost overdosed on prescription medication, Tyler. She was absolutely in the valley, of, I mean the valley of despair. And I, you know what I told her? She said, how am I going to get out of this? I said, you've got to start thinking differently. I said, you know what? When you don't feel like praising God, do it anyway. When you don't feel like praying, go out in the park and just walk and pray. She said, man, it's hard. I, don't feel, I feel like God's a million miles away. I don't care if he's a million and three steps away. When you turn around, Jesus Christ is right there. Hallelujah. I'm getting ready to preach. That was, on a, that was in a September of a meeting I was in. I go to this church every year in Augusta, Georgia. Nathan, the next year I'm at that church, she looked like when she came in the back doors of that church, I saw her on Sunday morning, she looked like she was levitating off the ground about that far. I mean, she was just... You know what I mean? I'm like, wow, what, what, what's the difference? You know what she said to me? She said, I took your advice. And she said, in a three-week time, she said, I flushed every pee, listen, every pill, every Oxycontin, every Alkalinopin, every one of these drugs that can literally kill you. I just buried an uncle because of those. 53 years of age, overdosed. You better be careful, guys. You better be careful, young ladies. Don't you underestimate your enemy and don't you dare have an unguarded mind. She said to me, she said, you know what I did? She said, I've got, she had two children. She said, I got one of them dual strollers, you know, one of them souped up dragster looking thing for two kids. And she said, I started running again. She lost 50 pounds. Guess what? Running behind there, she said, the whole time, she said, I'd take Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to praise God. I'd take Thursday, Friday, Saturday to pray about things. And she said, you know what, on Sunday, I worshiped. I said, praise God. When you don't feel like it, do it anyway. David said, I will praise thee, O Lord, my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise unto thy name, O thou most high. When you don't feel like praising God, that's the very best time to do it. Some of you young people have even come to me and said, Preacher, you know what? How do I get victory? I'm going to tell you how you do it. When the devil comes knocking on your door, listen, there's three things you can do. You openly rebuke him in the name of Jesus Christ and tell him to get behind you. And then you pray for somebody that's lost and you praise the Lord for something he's done in your life and I promise you the devil will leave you alone in that area. He hates every one of those. But don't you pick on him in your own flesh. Listen. Goliath fell because he had, he had an unguarded mind. 
he underestimated his enemy. He was uncircumcised, but number four, and I must be done. Look at the last part of this. Verse number, let's pick up our reading in verse number uh, 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and uh, with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. He wasn't going to need his sword. He wasn't going to need no armor. You know what? He wasn't going to need none of that because you know what he did? Look at the next verse. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut his head off with his own sword. Did you just hear what I read? Let me tell you why Goliath fell. He was uncircumcised. He underestimated his enemy. He had an unguarded mind, but number four, and I want you to write this down, he had an unused weapon. Goliath fell because he had an unused weapon. When, listen, when David Steve put that stone in his forehead and he fell to his face to the earth, David ran over to him and took his own, took Goliath's sword out of his own sheath and cut his head off with it. Goliath never unsheathed his weapon in the battle. Some of you have struggled and labored and you've been depressed and you've been discouraged and you want encouragement and you know what? You're in a battle. You don't even realize it. And you know what? You haven't even unsheathed your sword in the battle. Put on the whole armor of God. Shield of faith. Breastplate of righteousness. Helmet of salvation. Having your loins girt about with truth. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And having the sword of the... Which is what? Well, preacher, I can't get victory of this thing. Well, how about using the Bible? How about using the Scripture against it? That book is not a publication. That book is the Holy Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Psalm 119.11 Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto? Excuse me, verse number 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy Word? Psalm 119.11 Thy Word have I hid in my what? Heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119.105 Forever, O Lord, thy word... Listen, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119.89 Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119.105 Thy word is a lamp and a light. Psalm 119.140 Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servants loveth it. Psalm 119.160 Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Listen, Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away, is what he said. I'm going to use the Bible. When I get into battle, I'm going to unsheath my sword. And can I tell each and every one of you here this? You are not alone. Listen, David said, you come to me. Goliath, you come to me. I'm going to talk about David for just a second. He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield. He said, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. When you're in the valley, when you're in the battle, when you're in the fight, let me tell you something. When the smoke clears, all God wants to find you doing is still swinging your sword. Amen? Some of you in this room, you know what? You're being defeated. 
Because you're in the flesh? Because you've underestimated your enemy? Because you have an unguarded mind? I mean, you know, the mind is like a computer. You put junk in it, it junk's going to come out of it. Some of you are following society instead of fighting society when it comes to the things of God. What are, we, what are we doing here? Listen, some of you in this room have an unused weapon. And I'm here to tell you right now, don't you pray. Listen, don't you dare pray, young people. Don't you dare pray, God deliver me from my trial. God deliver me from my tribulation. You better be praying, God deliver me through my tribulation. God deliver me through the fire. I love that song. I can't help it. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy and the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered our victories without fighting, but He said faith would always come in time. So just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision and the adversary says, give in, just hold on. My Lord will show up and he will take you through the fire again. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking around. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We must close in prayer, but I want to ask you a question tonight. Some of you, you know what? You're living in defeat. Oh, everybody thinks that you're a giant. You probably might even think you are yourself. But my question to you tonight is this. Have, have you been purified? Has your heart been cleansed? Or are you like that uncircumcised Philistine? Have you underestimated your enemy? Some of you in this room, you know what? You've got an unguarded mind. You've got to guard your mind. Some of you have not guarded it against pride and busyness and bitterness and all these other giants that we face. And the only way you're ever going to get victory is if you have a used weapon. Some of you have not used your weapon in quite some time. And you with an upraised hand would say, Preacher, I want you to pray for me tonight. I need to have victory. And I, do, I know I'm not too tall that I can't fall. And I just want you to pray for me. Lift me up in prayer. God bless you. Hands all over this room tonight. God bless you. you once you put it up, you can put it down. There may be some people here tonight. You know what? You still haven't made a decision to trust Christ. It's time to stop playing games. Stop playing church and trust Jesus Christ. You need to get that thing settled before it's eternally too late. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. And I'm going to do something that's probably, uh, probably unusual to you. I'm going to open up this altar right here. And I'm going to ask you as God's people, as young people, if you need to come tonight and you need to reach, listen, stake claim to a promise you made to God tonight. I want you to do that. I want you to come down here and pray. I would love to see, listen, God wants you to claim, claim what you've promised Him. Let's stand with heads bowed and eyes closed right now. Standing to our feet. Nobody looking around. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you need to come tonight, why don't you come and just pray right now before we split up in discussion groups or whatever we're going to do. Let's do that. If we Listen, don't, don't, don't listen. Don't stand there and clutch the chair in front of you till your knuckles turn white. Let go and let God. If you need to pray tonight, why don't you come on right now? Just come on right now. Just get down here and pray. Ask God to do work in your heart. Ask, listen, 
Ask Him to help you to have a guarded mind, to have a used weapon, and not underestimate your enemy. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. If you need to come tonight, you come down here and pray. That's right, come on. If you need to come. The song says, Just as I am without one plea, but that thou, God, should, would die for me. And that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. If you need to come, that's right, come on. Christians, if you're there in your seat and you, you don't want to move and you want to stand right there and pray, please do that right now. There are people praying at the front. If you need to come, you come on. Don't be ashamed. You do what God tells you to do. Let's sing that verse together. You know it. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. As she plays, I just want you to stand there, bow your heads. Please be patient. People are praying at the front. Let them do business with God. And we're going to close in prayer in just a moment. But could you really sing that song, Just As I Am? How many times have I heard people say, Preacher, I've got to get some things cleaned up in my life, and then I'll come to church. No, you come on right now to Jesus and let Him do the cleaning. She's going to play through one more verse. Maybe this verse, maybe this, maybe this is for you. If you need to come tonight, you come on. Praise you tonight for how you've worked in the hearts of your people. God, I pray right now as we go to our next appointed thing on the schedule that God, that you would work in a mighty way in discussion time and also tonight in our evening games. But God, more importantly, if there's still someone that's holding on to things that they need to talk to somebody about, I pray that they would realize that Lord, it's two's better than one, and sometimes we need to just get together and pray about things. And if they've got a friend, maybe just to take them by the hand and, and take them into a corner and just pray that God would deliver them and give them victory. Lord, I love you. I thank you for what you've done in our hearts tonight. Thank you for a story about a, a man who was giant, but yet fell hard because he was uncircumcised and he underestimated his enemy and he had an unused weapon and an unguarded mind. Help us, Lord, not to be that kind of casualty. But help us to be a conqueror through you that loved us. Lord, we'll love you and praise you for what you do in our lives because we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake.